German delegate from Earth. We are not here to indulge in social diplomacy. No, no, of course not. We are here to consider admitting this somewhat primitive planet into the Galactic Federation. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Unfortunately, I... the success of our mission is threatened. Violently. Perhaps you'd be kind enough to explain that to me from the beginning. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today, we will be watching The Curse of Peladon. The Curse of Peladon was written by Brian Hales, directed by Lenny Main, produced by Barry Letts, and aired January 29th, 1972, to February 19th, 1972. Just out of curiosity, Caleb, does the name Brian Hales ring a bell? No. Okay, well, I will tell you what he wrote the moment my computer stops being a piece of shit. Okay, he wrote The Celestial Toymaker, The Smugglers, The Ice Warriors, and the Seeds of Death. Mm, quite the record. Quite the record. None that were great. <laughs> Good. A, a, a couple that were all right. A couple that were bad. <laughs> Look, I, I, I heard a tiny little synopsis of what this episode is about. And I was like, that sounds interesting. Now that I know who wrote it, I'm slightly concerned. <laughs> Mac, you literally told me not even two minutes ago that you had hope for this episode. And you're going to lead with, oh, by the way, this guy wrote all these bad episodes. And I did have hope for this episode. And then I read what Brian Hales had written. <laughs> Just to reassure you, this is a four-parter. Okay. So don't worry. <laughs> they can't hurt you right now, Caleb. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> and I know that this is another title that uh, basically sounds like it could be used in a toothpaste commercial, so it's not really giving you a whole lot to work with. But Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, The Curse of Peladon, what do you think this episode's going to be about? I think that... The Doctor's going to be able to do a little bit of yo-yoing on the TARDIS, so he's going to be able to get the TARDIS console installed, do a little bit of time travel to a planet um, of people addicted to, I don't know, exercise bikes, uh, and not in any way related to a Peloton. Mac, Mac is making a face like they have no it's idea a, what I'm talking about. It's a deep fucking about. cut. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> have you never heard of a Peloton like, exercise bike? I have not. Mac. Go you on. You gotta get with the times. <laughs> you gotta get with the times of 1972. No, this is what all the rich people are doing now. Just... Oh. Well, man, as a rich person myself, I'm surprised. Yes. I've never heard of it. Anyway, 
alien planet where they're all addicted to exercise bikes, apparently. Continue. And uh, I don't know. There's like a brainwash thing. Uh, you said there's a villain in here, but in a different context. Ooh. But the exercise bikes are actually brainwash machines from the things from... Uh, oh, fuck. What was that episode called? It's a lot of stuff oh. that's brainwashed, Caleb. <laughs> that, that, that does not narrow it down. No, I know. Fuck. Oh, my God. I had my head. I lost it. Oh, it was in The First Doctor. It was the five-parter where every story, where every episode was like a different story. And it had little brain creatures that brainwash people. Oh, the Keys of Marinus? The, the Keys of Marinus. The brains of Moby's brains, something like that? Yeah, those things. It's those things on Peloton bikes. <laughs> okay. That's a deep pull in several different directions. <laughs> I, I, I decided, you know what? I'm going to make a real niche. It's going to be impossible to be right. Almost like 0% right, if I'm, if I'm honest. I mean, look, what am I supposed to do with Curse of Peloton? There isn't a lot. I don't know what you would do with Curse of Peloton. It was either going to be that or dinosaurs. So, but I already made a dinosaur prediction. So. That's true, you did. You can't do a dinosaur prediction every time. Or can or you? Can. There are a lot of dinosaurs. They are in the past. <laughs> and maybe the future. And on that note, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. I heard my mic peak doing that. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was eight days for us. Was it really eight days? I thought we did it under a week. No, I mean... I always go by our Discord calls, and last time we had a Discord call was eight days ago. Well, there it is. Would have been a solid week if somebody was able to record yesterday, but oh well. But oh well, whatever, Caleb, you and your job and your children. (laughs) But uh, as I was finishing watching The Curse of Peladon, I was like, okay, so this episode, Caleb is either going to love it or hate it, And either way, we're going to have a lot to talk about. (laughs) So, Caleb, before we get started, general thoughts. What would you think of The Curse of Peladon? I appreciate the short structure. Uh, Four episodes is good. Sure. As I said to Mag just before this call, there are things I hate. You could could say they're xenophobic. (laughs) Uh, I have some opinions. And peace is not one of them. It's one of those things where I think it's really interesting. It does that thing the third doctor does where like, boy, this would be an interesting concept if it was executed well at all. You specify the third doctor, but that's that's been every fucking <laughs> doctor. <laughs> you kidding me? Because I really like the dynamic of like the doctor just not trusting the ice warriors because they're the ice warriors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it leads to that idea of, you know, can civilizations change and be better? Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, why the fuck do you tolerate any other aliens at all? <laughs> so, yeah. So, some interesting themes. Don't think they're executed super well. It's also very totally very weird. Because I feel like it's a science fiction episode. There's other races. It's all about this, like, making peace and joining this galactic federation. But we're in a castle and everyone's wearing, like, wizard's robes it seems like a very big clash between high fantasy and 
whimsical Doctor Who science fiction? Mm. Well, my opinion is that it is my favorite third Doctor episode so far. (laughs) (laughs) I really like this episode, uh, probably for the reasons you fucking hated it. (laughs) So uh, looking forward to discussing it. But uh, before we get started, there are a couple of uh, notes to give. Uh, This is the debut of Peladon, the planet, not the person. Um, It is the debut of the Galactic Federation, and you're going to hate the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Uh, This is also the debut of Alpha Centauri. Mm. (laughs) Mm, Don't like the word debut. (laughs) That implies they come back. (laughs) (laughs) I know that Alpha Centauri does come back. I don't recall with how much frequency. I don't think it's very much. But it's more of a just a uh, the doctor sees Alpha Centauri is like oh yeah and I I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really like this episode because I've always said in the past that I like it when different alien races can come together in a peaceful manner. I always appreciate that. I know you're you're a big fan of you look and or sound weird. Let's kill you, but. I'm not quite that bad. I am in this episode. (laughs) It's really, it's way less on like, hey, I just believe in violence. I believe in dominating more of like, "Mm, you kind of annoy me. (laughs) Most of the time, it's not because of the way the aliens look. It's because they act a certain way and they deserve slavery. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that I think all other races are lesser than mine. It's just that that specific race is lesser than mine, and I think that for every race. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely there's an alien out there I don't th- I don't think that about. I just haven't found them yet. <laughs> I like to remain optimistic. <laughs> On that note, shall we get started? <laughs> yeah, let's dig right in. Episode 1. The story begins with the TARDIS materializing on the planet Peladon, a mineral-rich world seeking a mission to the Galactic Federation. The Doctor and Joe find themselves in the middle of a tense political situation as the King of as King Peladon seeks to prove his worthiness by hosting a conference of delegates, including an obnoxious tentacle monster and the most monstrous, disgusting, vile alien you've ever seen. Also, the Eyes Warriors. <laughs> After having Joe pose as the princess delegate from Earth, one of the King's men is murdered. His, and his advisor, Hepesh, rants about a mystical creature known as Agador, and he believes it is a sign of doom. The delegates grow suspicious of the meeting and their fellow delegates. As they go to leave the meeting, a statue in the shape of a beast falls forward. And yeah, the Doctor and Joe spend half the episode climbing up a hill. Yeah, that's true. Because the TARDIS kind of like materializes half on a cliffside and half hanging off it. Yeah. And then they get off and they fall down and and the TARDIS falls. And Joe kind of freaks out. She's like, is the TARDIS destroyed? He's like, nah, I can take anything. Nah, it can't be destroyed. Except for that one time where it literally blew up. Except for that one time it was destroyed. So, so yeah, it, it opens up and we see, like, King Peladon, which... <laughs> I love that the king is named Peladon on the planet Peladon. It reminds me of Dragon Ball Z with King and Prince Vegeta from the planet Vegeta. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Disappointing lack of exercise bikes, I noticed. Yeah. When we when we cut to a castle and everyone's wearing capes, I was like, where are the exercise bikes, though? 
So it, it's the king and his two advisors, one of whom is advising him about moving forward with the Federation in a era of peace and prosperity. And the other one hates all these filthy off-worlders taminating their uh, most holy ground. And uh, Peladon is stronger without outside influence. And I'm like, wow, this guy seems to be laying it on thick of being a dick. If I thought the writers of Doctor Who were at all clever, I would almost accuse it of being a red herring. (laughs) It's just (laughs) that flagrantly the bad guy. I mean, he's like literally like a foaming at the mouth zealot. Yeah, he is. Now, not to defend him, not to defend him, but going into it and you're listening to him rant and you're like, okay, this guy's an asshole. And then you see these fucking aliens. I was like, oh God, get that fucking thing away from me. <laughs> yeah, well, he he also has a little bit of a side eye because King Peladon is half human. <laughs> <laughs> He's half human. Looks no different than me, but he's something else. I don't like. Well, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the world. Um, <laughs> uh, well, the Peladonians—I'm not sure what you would call them. They all seem to have the distinct the Peladons. They all seem to have the distinguishing mark of having white hair with with a single streak of orange down the middle of it, unless they have a beard, in which case they have two streaks of orange through their beard. Or is it the opposite? I don't remember. Anyway. Is that what it was? I I, I just thought everyone was really old. <laughs> well, even the young King Peladon had that hairstyle, so. Yeah, I guess it did. This episode was a bit hard to watch. I, I got spoiled by the remaster of the last episode. Because <laughs> I remember watching uh, Day of the Dogs and thinking, like, this is really clear. I'm amazed by the clarity of the filming in this episode. And then we got to the not remastered <laughs> Peladon, and I was like, Oh, it's like there's just Vaseline smeared on the camera lens. I can't see shit. You've been flowered for Algernon. <laughs> Basically. I will go ahead and give this trivia because I think it's really interesting and I just want to bring it up now. Uh, King Peladon is played by David Troughton, Patrick Troughton's son. I thought I saw that on the wiki that he played someone. I didn't read who it was. Yep. So. And I like to imagine that these that these three actors who are talking politically amongst each other um and having their grandiose ideas being laid out clear in the script just saying we're doing one of the bbc's shakespeare productions right the fuck is doctor who because <laughs> it really feels like these actors weren't necessarily told what show they were in <laughs> This is one of those dignified BBC shows, right? Oh, fuck. <laughs> we don't do that pulp fiction. We don't do genre. And then, most importantly of all, Plaid's a bold choice, Doctor. He has a new costume this time around, and he's wearing, like, all plaid. Yep, lots of plaid. Doesn't work for him. I hope this is the last we see of it. <laughs> Bring back the magician outfit. Right? So, I don't remember, I, I think it's before they get there. Yeah, because they're the last ones to walk in. Yes. Uh, all the other delegates come in, and one of them is an alien with a big, big eyeball and, like, green tentacles. That's fine. The moment it started talking, and it's like, we're very concerned about the peace delegations. I was like, kill that fucking thing. Yeah. That is the most obnoxious thing I've ever heard in my life. Terminate it. Yeah, it fucking started talking, <laughs> and I was like, oh, please. Please tell me Alpha Centauri 
the Alpha Centauri representative doesn't have a lot of lines. I am begging you. Oh, but they do. They do. They talk a lot. <laughs> Boy, I hated that. Not as much as I hated the fucking decaying skull in a vat on wheels. Because <laughs> I was like, that's annoying. I don't like it. Terminate it. And then that thing's on screen. I, I was literally like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so its name is Arcturus. And basically it's like if... Um, it's like a big box on wheels that seems to be like a life support system. And then on top of that box is a little transparent dome where the thing's head is and the thing's head is like it's like a a shrunken head with a bunch of like tendrils sticking out of it there seems to be some sort of moisturization happening inside the dome because it seems to be like constantly sweating and condensating condensation uh yeah i did not like that uh the only thing i would negotiate with it is its total annihilation (laughs) and then there was the ice warriors and then there's the Ice Warriors, who are objectively the best aliens, despite their stupid Lego hands. They they do have the stupid Lego hands, but they're a lot less annoying sounding. Oh, yeah. There's a little bit of hiss. Yeah. Not anything near what we've heard before. There There's a little bit of hiss, but it's not like a snake trying to do ASMR like it has been in the past. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a constant thing. It's really more of a... Anytime they need to react or talk, they have a little bit more of a rasp or hiss to it. Yeah, I actually kind of liked their, like, indignant hiss. Yeah. And the doctor's like, you tried to murder these people, and they're like... (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I actually really like the Ice Warriors in this, uh, to the point where I think I can safely say that the Ice Warriors are my favorite alien race that have been introduced so far. I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm hesitating to think of one that I like more, just like as a whole. But I don't know. They've got a cool philosophy, and I, I like it. And the lead delegate, what's his name? Uh, Islier is kind of in my running so far. I know, I know, we still have a while to go, but uh, is in my running at the moment for favorite NPC. And the villain from the Ice Warriors was in my running for my favorite villain of the Second Doctor. So. So yeah, so it's adding up. I'm digging the Ice Warriors, is my point. Seeds of Death notwithstanding. So the TARDIS goes tumbling down, and Joe was dressed up nice because she was about to go like on a date with Captain Yates. And she complains a little bit when they fir- when the doctor says, Well, we gotta climb this mountain. But she does do it, and like good on Joe for being able to climb a fucking mountain in heels. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a comment about the heels in the next episode. But yeah, I mean, she fucking did it. Until the point where she's just like, once they get up the cliff, he's like, well, only two more to go. And, the doc- and she's like, no, doctor, I'm not climbing any more fucking hills. We're going this way. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do like about uh, Arcturus, though, is that um, while they're there for a uh, mission of peace, he does say that he's ready to throw down if he needs to. And I'm like, I can blast a bitch if I need to. Allow me to demonstrate by destroying what may or may not be a priceless artifact to your people. And he just <laughs> shoots a vase and destroys it. Yeah, and no, at no point did I ever want to negotiate with the fucking skull jar. <laughs> I am frankly stunned and amazed that they made it to the planet. But despite that, despite my immediate knee-jerk reaction of I have to kill that thing, 
I still like Alpha Centauri less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Caleb's willing to excuse an ugly alien. He's not willing to excuse an annoying one. <laughs> oh my god. Just stop talking. <laughs> if it helps, as the story goes on, it's clear that Islier shares in your sentiment <laughs> and is also very annoyed with Alpha Centauri. <laughs> I would I would describe my feelings listening to this episode or listening to Alpha Centauri talk during this episode as a uh, bender in the peace talks with the bouncing ball. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the brain balls. They got a lot of brains and they got a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> Don't ask me. You're the one who's going to be dying. <laughs> and then I'm just like, I wonder who the villain is. OG. Oh, I wonder. Because he's just so very make Peladon great again. Yeah, definitely not like randomly walking in the room going, I will stop these peace delegations. If it's the last thing I do, yeah. <laughs> hmm. I wonder who's behind all these assassination attempts. And he, he's just like fuming at all these aliens and uh, King Peladon is just like next to him and just be like, Hepesh, please. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, here's a here's a spoiler for you, I guess. I fucking hate King Peladon. Uh, yeah. He's probably my least favorite character in this entire story. I wanted to punch him so fucking badly by the end of it. He, he's got some real balls in episode three. <laughs> it's, his, it's his only good moment, and not because it's actually a good moment. Yeah, I will get into it more, but, like, at first I'm indifferent towards him, but then... By the end of the story, I'm just like, oh, I wish you had been assassinated. Anyway. I agree. I wish you'd been killed. He's so passive. He just kind of let things happen. He's so passive. He's so wishy-washy. He's just, he's fucking spineless. Anyway, um, Doctor and Joe find a cavern into the tunnels beneath the castle. And they come to a crossroads. Like, they have a couple of different hallways to go down and doctor goes eeny meeny miny mo," and then there's a roar that comes down from one of the hallways he's like meeny it is <laughs> they go down <laughs> and it it made me chuckle so i thought i'd bring attention to it <laughs> and then the doctor and joe are brought into the uh throne room and the ice warrior comes up to him and says greetings delegate from earth and the doctor is just like Yes, I am that thing you just said. Yes, of course. <laughs> the delegate. Are you surprised? It's not the first time he's just immediately assumed someone's identity. Shall we refer back to the Romans? <laughs> I do love how he says that Joe is uh, a princess from Earth, and she's just like instantly, Oh, I get to pretend to be a princess? Oh, hell yeah, let's do this! And just like... <laughs> dives right into it i know uh, isn't there like a moment where she, after she's like after she is declared a princess she's like i'm not bowing before the king you bow before the king doctor and he's like all right yeah and then the king who's like clearly got a boner for her immediately just like goes goes up and like takes her hand and uh apologizes for her rough entrance that she's had so far and how her guard how his guards have been treating her and um and specifically the crash and she was like, yes, the whole experience was most deplorable. The pilot was most insufficient. And the doctor was just like right next to her, just like, oh, you fucking bitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Joe was throwing some shade. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I kind of liked Joe in this episode. 
I think. Yeah, jo- this is definitely like the most proactive Joe's been in a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is always proactive in like getting away and stuff, but I feel like she's like really involved in unraveling the plot. Mm-hmm, yeah, she's definitely got more of a more of a role to play. My last note for this episode is this episode's going to be very politic heavy, and it's either going to be in a good way or a bad way. And I thought it was in a good way. I have no idea what your opinion is on it. Um, surprise. Uh, I would say the things I don't like about this episode are largely xenophobic. <laughs> <laughs> I think story structure wise, it works really well. Cause, like it's also surprisingly fast paced. Like we we actually get to the end of episodes, and I'd be like, "Whoa, it's the end of the episode," and not me being like, "Okay, when this when is this fucking episode gonna be over?" I think there's a there's a fine line when it comes to politics and shows where good politics in an episode is when it feels like a game of chess. Bad politics is when it feels like bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And I think this one leans heavier to the chess. And also there's the mystery aspect of it where like it's flagrantly obvious that Hepesh is behind like the murders and the attempted assassinations. But, like, there's still them trying to figure it out and trying to find evidence to prove that Hepesh did it. I don't know. It's interesting. I I like this little political bottle episode, is how I would describe it. Yeah, I agree. I like, and those are all largely things I like about it. A lot of the politics episodes struggle with, like, well, now we're going to go talk to this guy, and he's going to explain this thing. And then we're going to go over here, and he's going to explain this part of the politics. But here, there are, like, what there's fucking like eight cast members in the whole story yeah it's very tight and it's kind of close it's almost claustrophobic because like it's all these people stuck together Mm -hmm. someone's trying to murder them we know and it's obvious but that makes it more interesting Mm -hmm. from the word go i mean we were joking about how obviously hepesh wants to just purge all this filthy dirty blood but it is nice that from the word go, we know everybody's motivations. We don't have to, and thank God we don't spend a lot of time explaining how everyone feels about everything. Yeah, we already know from the get-go. And there isn't a ton of, this is very light on world building, which I think is good. Because, uh, like, Alpha Centauri doesn't go on a big, long monologue about their fucking planet or how they're engaged in the Galactic Federation. They mm-hmm. do a little bit because they talk about Peladon being men- mineral-rich, mm-hmm. but they don't it's not this exhaustive thing. Like, I'm trying to think of, like... Well, like, Inferno spends a fucking... Spent a fucking egregious amount of time talking about the politics of fucking oil drilling. Yeah. Yeah. The, really, the closest we get um, is Joe not knowing whether Alpha Satori is a boy or a girl, and the Doctor being like, they're neither. And that's kind of the closest we get. And then the Ice Warriors being like, yeah, we were warmongers at one point. We learned how to fucking chill. <laughs> But now we're peaceful until you piss us off. Yeah. I respect any sort of character or people in general who who their main philosophy is speak softly and carry a big stick. Because the Ice Warriors are here on a mission of peace and they genuinely mean that. They did also bring all their rifles, though. (laughs) Just in case. (laughs) Because they're peaceful, not stupid. (laughs) We want peace, but we will also take peace. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's episode one. Episode one. Now we're going on to episode two. The Doctor pushes the delegate from Alpha Centauri away from the falling statue. Immediately a mistake. The Doctor believes it was no accident and that someone is trying to sabotage the meeting. 
The Lovecraftian Nightmare starts arguing with the Ice Warriors. Someone get this abomination off screen. <laughs> Later, my prayers are answered when the Skull Monster alien is found without his important life box. The Doctor rushes to fix it while Joe tries to find out who stole it. She finds the box in the Ice Warrior's room, but she is locked inside when she is caught. Meanwhile, Hepesh tells Grun, a mute warrior, to deal with the Doctor. Agador can't remember who tried to kill him, and the Ice Warriors accuse the Doctor of actually doing it. Joe escapes into a cave system and encounters the Agador. The Doctor goes after her, but is caught by Grun. He is brought forward to the King and accused of desecrating the temple, and his punishment is death. I said Grun is mute, but I just remember him saying something, so... No, Grun's mute. Was, was he mute? I could have sworn he said something at some point, but... Yeah, he, he uh, appropriate fashion, uh, Grun speaks in grunts. So he makes noises, he just doesn't say anything. Maybe that's something you know. Uh Grun is hilarious and my favorite and actually my favorite character <laughs> of the story. Uh, mostly because he, he's terrible. <laughs> he's I, I I assume they tried to set him up as like this tall warrior dude, but he's just a tall old guy <laughs> that, with bad hair. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the delegation is dismissed from the throne room, and then, you know, the statue falls over and almost crushes one of them, and so they all immediately come back into the throne room, and they're like, okay, I guess we have more to talk about. <laughs> Alpha. Alpha Centauri says, we are on a mission of peace! And I was like, yeah! And then Alpha Centauri says, we are trying to raise them from barbarism! And I'm like, eh. <laughs> You had me in the first laugh, not gonna lie. <laughs> We just want them to be civilized like us. Instead of whatever it is they're now. And and while they're while they're talking and like everyone's arguing about what's going on, the doctor like looks over to Joe and nods and Joe nods back and she like stealthily slips away from the conference to investigate the investigate everything and she like finds evidence of who pushed the statue and then comes back and just like and just kinda like nods back to the doctor, say, Yeah, I found something. And that's something I've noticed a lot in this story is that the doctor seems to be depending on Joe a little bit more. And it's this type of dynamic that I remember really liking between the doctor and Joe. Yeah, I just I just thought it was neat because she is like basically a spy. And so anytime she can actually flex those muscles is really cool. Agreed. And yeah, it makes it more interesting. We're skipping over the very important part of the fight where the skull monster alien Arcturus. Yeah, it just accuses the Ice Warriors of doing something villainous when there's really no proof other than the statue fell over. Yeah. He's like, ah, I bet it was those ugly lizard things. And the Ice Warriors are like, we're the ugly ones? <laughs> Have you looked in a mirror? <laughs> Rolls up their Lego sleeves. <laughs> Gets like a Lego gun and clicks into his hand. That's basically what they've got later in the story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I thought it was interesting that the ugly monstrous thing that has already announced that it's totally cool murdering people if it has to, accuses people of trying to kill them. Yeah. Eventually they're all let out. They go back to the delegate chamber to discuss things away from the king. But the king requests that Joe stay behind because, again, he's got a boner for her and he's really creepily laying it on thick. He has no riz, as the kids call it these <laughs> days. <laughs> And my note is, oh, right, 70s media, where being creepy is considered romantic. It could be worse. This could be the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly turns heads on 1980s Doctor Who. I don't remember it being that bad, 
but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we skipped over 1990s, Doctor. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? But they're like, there's, I don't, I don't want to say there's romantic chemistry because there really doesn't feel like there is. But that's clearly what's being implied here. And then Peladon is like, so basically, if you could support me in this political situation, I would really appreciate it. And she and Joe is just like, all you want is just a political ally. And I'm like, por qué no las dos? <laughs> <laughs> Again, no Riz. You say the quiet part out loud, King. Maybe, maybe shut the fuck up. <laughs> I didn't really get the... Like, I understand maybe they were trying to imply romantic tension. I definitely didn't get that from Joe. She definitely just felt very awkward during the whole conversation. Yeah. Or if she was acting interested, it felt very feigned. Yeah. Because no one was going to be into that haircut and that outfit. No, no, not at all. But uh, Joe, like, rejects him and then leaves the throne room. And I just picture Peladon immediately going to Reddit and talking about females. Females? (laughs) These human earth women. As a half-human myself, I feel uniquely qualified to talk about human females. Oh, God. <laughs> and then uh, the doctor and Joe are back in their guest room, and the doctor is just racially profiling the Ice Warriors. He's just like, obviously, the Ice Warriors are behind the attempted assassination. And Joe's like, what makes you think that? And he's like, because they're Ice Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. That's word for word the line. <laughs> It's not the first time he's racially profiled. Remember Power of the Daleks? Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about Power of the Daleks during this time because he was very much like, no, these things are fucking dangerous. And like, I don't know, because like in Power of the Daleks, he was right. <laughs> <laughs> it's only racially profiling if you're wrong. <laughs> now, finally, Max says something that can get them clipped. <laughs> Finally. Thank you, geez. Luckily, I'm in charge of editing. <laughs> I'm starting to feel bad. <laughs> and then I'm like, Alpha Centauri is non-binary rep. Yep. Because Joe is like, he seems nice. Or is it she? I can't, I can't tell. The doctor's like, it's, it's neither, actually. And he says, then it's an it. And I'm like, eh, eh, eh. we'll go with they in the year of our Lord 2023. You in, uh, what was it, 1973? 1972? You can say it, but we're going to say they if it's all right. It's a thing. And then they, I don't remember when they finally walk out, but they walk out and they just see the uh, Octurus or whatever just kind of like flailing in his little robot car. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, yes, this is the moment. Yeah, but then the doctor tries to actually uh, fix Arcturus's, uh life support. And the other delegates walk in on the doctor, like, fiddling with Arcturus. And and obviously, at first, they seem very suspicious of what he's doing. But then he explains what he's doing, and they leave him alone. I found that a little bit uh, refreshing, because it feels like in so many other stories, like, someone would, like, try to pull him away or something. Um, because clearly, he's doing subterfuge. They don't start accusing him of subterfuge until he starts accusing the Ice Warriors first. Because he's just like, clearly it was you who was behind this. And Zillira's like, do you see my Lego hands? I can't do anything <laughs> like that. I can see the point on that. Because, like, it, it's true. He gets accused of things very quickly. 
I do like the Doctor basically being the antagonist of the story for half the time. But, counterpoint, contextually, looking into it, this was probably the only time it made sense to accuse the Doctor of subterfuge. <laughs> because, from their perspective, all they see is the Doctor with his hands inside this thing's box and the thing flailing around and screaming. I think it can be like walking in and uh, seeing someone uh, putting like their a pillow over someone's face and that person flying around and being like, oh, I'm just trying to get them to sleep. <laughs> well, I think it's a little bit different than that. I mean, if if the doctor was actually trying to do something duplicitous, he probably would have stopped doing it the moment that he was like about to be caught. I guess. I don't know. The main takeaway there is I appreciate that they didn't actually start accusing him of subterfuge until he jumps to the conclusions that the Ice Warriors are to blame. I appreciate that. They just, like, respond with accusations rather than immediately accusing him. <laughs> but really, we're learning the important lesson. Okay, actually, I'm going to save that point for later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Joe slips away while he's doing that to find Octorus's, like, life support box or whatever. And she finds it in the Ice Warriors' chamber. And then, uh... Song, the other ice warrior there, walks in and uh, catches her in the room. Immediately catches her, yes. <laughs> She's like hiding behind a tapestry and her fucking feet are hanging out. I was like, Joe, you're supposed to be a spy. <laughs> like, you're better than this, come on. And then he locks her in the room and then walks out. And then just immediately fucking yeets herself out the window. Yeah. That's my note about the heels though. So she climbs out the window and she's like scooting along the edge with her back against the wall. She only has like a tiny bit uh-huh. to scoot on. And she's still wearing her heels. And I just thought, Joe, just take the fucking shoes take, off. Take the shoes off, Joe. Take the shoes off. Come on, Joe. I know it's the 70s, but come the fuck on. Yeah, I feel like trying to pick the lock on the door might be more preferable than shimmying in heels. I'm just throwing that out there. And we know Joe can pick locks, so don't, don't give me that. She doesn't know how bullshit. Yeah, exactly. But getting back to this, I like that... Uh, the delegates kind of meet back up and by that I mean the delegates except for the doctor and they start coming to conclusions about how the doctor and Joe might be behind all this and I like that they actually have reasons to suspect them rather than just oh they just arrived which means that they're they're behind it which is what usually Mm -hmm. happens because they're Mm -hmm. like we only have his word that he was that he was helping Arcturus. Joe and the king are clearly very becoming very close, and the king is half human, so they might be joining together. These attempted assassinations are starting to pile up. I appreciate the fact that they actually have reasons. <laughs> and then eventually Run comes over to the doctor because he's been ordered to get rid of the doctor, and he like leads the doctor into the uh into the catacombs and the doctor just like keeps asking him questions of like where are we going who told you to do this blah 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 like he keeps asking questions i'm like the man is clearly mute stop asking him questions that require more than a yes or no (laughs) (laughs) at that point when grun kind of catches the doctor he does something like the doctor says something he's like oh it's like you're a strong man, aren't you? And Grunt goes, Ooh, and like plants his chest. And it's, it's very weird because he's just like a very gangly old man. <laughs> I don't know who the casting director was, but they kept, they miscast that role. 
I feel like they definitely could have cast more of a a fucking like bodybuilder type. But yeah, he did just kind of seem like a dude who maybe goes to the gym on the weekends. Maybe. But but also, spoiler, the doctor has to fight him, so I guess they couldn't make him too strong. True. Joe like gets uh, cornered by the ice warriors and she's like talking to him. That's when they're like, she's like, the doctor told me that you people are a violent warrior race. And he's like, yeah, we were, but we've moved past that since several hundred years ago. And I'm like, okay, so this is still something that's been bugging me since the ice warriors got introduced because in one of the opening scenes of the ice warriors, the people like found the guy like frozen in a block of ice and they said he almost looks like a viking and he's like yes a proper ice warrior isn't he sir and they just started calling them ice warriors from that point forward what are they called especially if let's say for example they actually are called ice warriors by some astronomical chance he guessed it right, and they have been called Ice Warriors this entire time. Now that they're not a warmongering race, are they just Martians now? I don't... <laughs> yeah, I, I would think they, they would call them Martians, since you said they're like the only canonical race from Mars, right? As far as I remember, yes. So yeah, why don't they just fucking call them Martians? Because they already called them Ice Warriors, that's why. Because Ice Warriors, you know, is more marketable than... Martians, I get that, but the, I don't know. I kind of want to just start calling them Martians. <laughs> if, if they're going to be a more peaceful race now, calling them Ice Warriors seems like a bit of a misnomer. <laughs> I have a feeling that the peace thing is only going to last for this story. Less peaceful and more of a, a noble warrior race rather than a let's fucking fight everything kind of. I, I mean, they are warriors for peace. Yeah. There's more than one way to use a sword, you know? But yes, I do appreciate the fact that they brought rifles with them because they're like, we're peaceful and hopeful, we're not naive and stupid. Sometimes shit goes down. Sometimes it goes south. And that's where the guns come in. <laughs> sometimes a bitch needs capped. Look, sometimes a bitch steps, and sometimes that bitch needs to be taught a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I want to teach the lesson... But sometimes a lesson needs to be taught. (laughs) (laughs) And then, okay, so the doctor is like, finds his way into a sacred rites chamber and then is captured by the guards and then brought forward to the king for, on accusations of sacrilege. The king says that the crime allows for no defense and that the punishment is death. And I'm like, if the crime allows for no defense... Why are we bother holding this pseudo-trial anyway? Why didn't they just kill him on the spot? Just kill him on the spot if they found him in the in the chamber. I don't know. Because, Mac, where would the cliffhanger be? The cliffhanger would be from where they find the cliffhanger literally all the time, and that's a close-up on the gun after it's being fired. And then it turns out <laughs> they missed, or they were actually shooting at somebody else, or blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but then the episode would have been two minutes short, Mac. Oh, we can't have that. <laughs> anyway, on that note. On that note, episode three. The doctor says he was looking for Joe. The king says he can prove himself in trial by combat. This makes Joe mad, which seems like the perfect time for the king to admit he's horny for. The doctor sneaks out of his prison cell and finds Agador, who turns out is just a big dumb cow monster. 
nothing to fear at all. He returns and tries to say that Agador is just an animal, but Hepesh insists that he must fight for his life. The longest, most awkward old man fight unfolds, and the doctor wins but refuses to kill Grun. Wow, you're right. That is all that happens in this episode, isn't it? Yeah, it sure <laughs> I is. I was like, okay, continue. Wait, no, that that's it. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I know. I was surprised when I wrote it, too. And that is, that's not even me skimming over a lot of stuff. I mean, I skimmed. But even the TARDIS wiki description for this is only like three paragraphs. I, I wouldn't say most of the episode is this, but I would say a good portion of the episode is the fight between the Doctor and Grun. It is. It's a big chunk of the episode. And uh, also the Doctor like playing with his little fucking mirror thing. And, oh, yeah. And going into the tunnels and being like, ooh, look at the shiny thing. Yeah, that's true. Because doesn't Hepesh, is it this episode where Hepesh offers him like, just get the fuck out of here? Yes. Yeah. But first we gotta talk about this opening scene where, where where the king is like, look, my hands are tied. Uh, The best I can do is trial by combat. Yeah. It's not that he's trying to help and failing. It's that he's not even bothered trying. He's like, well, that's what the law is. Oh, well. dang orang I did all I can do. I mean, I'm the king. I have absolute authority. But there's like rules and stuff. I do appreciate, though, that the cliffhanger for the last episode wasn't just immediately and cleanly resolved as it so often is. The king didn't just immediately go, ah, you know what, never mind, let him go. Yeah. Instead of instantly solving the obstacle you found at you found yourself in at the end of the last episode, here's a new obstacle for you. Mm-hmm. From a storytelling perspective, I appreciate that. From a character perspective, I still fucking hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because Joe's, like, begging him to do anything to save the Doctor. And he's like, oh, uh, best I can do is trial by combat. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can And then he, yeah, and then he just, like, goes for the fucking throat, I guess. Because he's just like, oh, man, I can't really do anything by myself. Oh, man, if only, if only I had someone... If only I had an attractive Earth woman to marry, then I might be able to help the doctor. Oh, well. And he doesn't do it in, like, a evil, conniving, marry me and I'll save your friend kind of, like, Gaston-y kind of way. He does it in a, oh, I can't do anything by myself, but if if you were with me, I, I might be able to find the strength to be able to do stuff for fucking once in my life. <laughs> he is the worst. It's literally like, oh, sorry about your friend, like, having to get killed and stuff. Wanna fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, if he, was, if he was Gaston about it, if he was, like, being like, marry me and I'll save your friend, that would at least be, like, interesting. And, like, he would be like, ooh, I love to hate that guy, kind of thing. As it yeah. is now, I just... I want to slap him upside the mouth. Like, <laughs> shut up. Yeah. He's just we- weaselly. Yeah. And yeah, he's one of those people, or believe it or not, a surprisingly nonviolent person. But he's one of those people that makes me just want to slap you and go, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I'm in charge now. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. I am the king now. <laughs> <laughs> basically. And that's basically what Joe does half the episode. Okay, so I know that we keep complaining about the king, but... I do like the political situation, like this this stalemate of a chessboard that we have here, because like the Federation 
wants to do something, but they can't if they actively get involved in internal politics in this planet that isn't even part of the Federation yet officially, that could be construed as an act of war, as an act of favoritism. If they do anything, it would cause more bloodshed than just than just the doctor being executed. They are kind of being forced to do nothing. And meanwhile, the king being obligated by tradition to execute the doctor are interesting ideas to me, and I really like it. Again, I fucking hate the king, but from a storytelling perspective, I think it's cool. Yeah, I agree. And, like, this is why I came out when, like, the world building is sparse, but what is there is, like, very relevant, mm-hmm. very interesting. Because, like, we're not learning about the Galactic Federation and its rules by fucking characters info-dumping it. It's directly tied to the plot. Yeah. It's when Joe asks the Federation for help, they're like, oh, we can't. Here's why. Okay, anyways, next scene. Yeah. Like, here's the actual reasons we can't. Um, It's not because someone hasn't filled out the right form in triplicate. It's because if we act, there will be war. Yep. I appreciate that the uh, delegates are like, okay, this is clearly not working out. We should leave. All in favor, say aye, and uh, Alpha Centauri and Arcturus are both like, aye, all opposed, and Ice War is like, nay, because he's like, no. Because when the statue was about to fall, the, the doctor pushed Islier out of the way to save his life. And he is a, a warrior with an honor code, and he's like, the man who saved my life is about to be killed. I'm staying. And so he just kind of, like, pulls Joe aside and has this conspiracy to try and save the Doctor. And I, it was it was cool. I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, good guy, Ice Warriors. Oh, it's also important to note that, like, all the decisions have to be unanimous for anyone to do anything. So, which is not a good system, but... <laughs> Hepesh comes in and is like, here is a map of the tunnels. Here is the exact route you should take to get out of here, see you later, just don't come back, and that's all I want. And the doctor, like, guessed when Hepesh was like, your place, your room will be unguarded, and you'll be free to leave whenever you want. And the doctor is just like, oh, so you can kill me while uh, while I was attempting to escape, so you'll be justified, eh? And he's like, no, no, I don't want to kill you. Here's the, here's the map. And then he takes the map and follows it, to try and get out, and I'm like, Doctor, you successfully got it in one. You guessed, killed while attempting to escape. Why are you doing this? You're an idiot. <laughs> well, because I'm the Doctor, chap. I can't be killed. I'll just out with them. Though, uh, he does go into the tunnels. It almost seems like he's going into the tunnels specifically so he can find uh, Agador. Yeah, which is kind of what I thought too. Yeah, because he does like make that little weird hypnosis thing. Mirror thing. Mirror, yeah. mirror thing. Spinny mirror. And he goes down, finds Agador, and then uses it to like kind of put him into a trance and uses a Venusian lullaby. I'm like, what? why is the third Doctor so obsessed with Venusian stuff? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get either. Uh, he spent a lot of time on Venus, I guess. I guess. It's smoldering molten planet, <laughs> you know, where so many things happen. Like karate. You know, maybe it's far into the future and Venus has been colonized and they have their own lullabies and martial arts. I don't know. 
and that haven't been absorbed by the sun <laughs> some somehow oh yeah i i had the note god damn it joe and i couldn't think of what it was but i just remembered because the doctor is just like okay okay i've got i've got agador down we're good he'll be able to help me and then joe comes in and thinks that the doctor's like being attacked by him and she just like like shoes him away and like using like a torch and she shoes him away he and he and he runs and the doctor's like ah god damn it i had him right where i wanted him i was gonna bring him to the to the throne room and i was gonna prove that this was all just a myth and then uh joe apologizes but then the doctor does recognize that she was just trying to help and i appreciate that and that what she did was very brave and thank you for trying to help i was like I really like that because he has been in the past just like just like berate Joe because she did something against what he specifically wanted. And I just it feels like growth. It feels like we've had a lot of growth of this relationship and I just really appreciate it. <laughs> okay, Joe, fine. You're a good girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of like in the mind of evil where he was like being burned alive, I guess, I don't know, by the machine. And she comes in and rescues him. And then he just gets angry at her because he told her to go be doing this other thing. She shouldn't be here. I'm like, she just saved your life, asshole. But like now he's like, well, thank you very much. I appreciate what you were trying to do. How about you shut the fuck up, doctor? <laughs> and then they go back. No one believes him. He has to fight to the death anyway. And then it is a strange fight to say the least it's filmed almost entirely from like a bird's eye view almost except when it's a first person point of view oh that's right <laughs> sometimes it switches to a first person point of view and is very awkward but the most awkward part about this scene was the fact that there was no music no at no all sound whatsoever and it was very weird it feels like they meant to have music but then they didn't <laughs> <laughs> It's really just two old guys kind of tossing around in the dirt for a little bit, and then the doctor wins. I will say that the fight choreography is better than it typically is, though. Yeah, it's better in that context of, like, none of it is good. Yeah, it's still not good, but by Doctor Who standards, I will say it's better than normal. Yeah, but the doctor gets down and dirty, man. He he uses his Venusian Taekwondo. And they have this fucking cage match, and... uh the doctor basically chokes Grun out and says that he refuses to kill him and says that he is uh, he will not kill a king's champion, um, but he has won the fight. At which point, Arcturus pulls out his gun that he used earlier, and then Islier pulls out his gun, and like there's gunfire going off between between it, and you have no idea who just shot who. What's going on? And this was one of the few times that a cliffhanger actually had me guessing. And I just, I appreciated that and wanted to bring attention to it. <laughs> good cliffhanger. Good cliffhangers. We don't get a whole lot of those. But that was a good cliffhanger that I was like, ooh, what happens next? And it made me lament my new viewing method because I was like, ah, I can't watch it until tomorrow. Damn it. <laughs> damn it. Damn you, Caleb. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was actually thinking uh, earlier this week, it's like, Mac hasn't messaged me and said they're done with the episode yet. Yep, because I'm trying to watch it one episode per day. What you should do is you should binge it all, 
the day before the podcast. Better yet, you should binge it the day of the podcast. Well, see, Caleb, I would do that, except, gosh, it's not always clear whether we're actually going to be recording on the day that we agreed on or not. But isn't that what makes it fun? Sure. <laughs> oh, man. I wish you guys could have seen their face. That was priceless. <laughs> All right. I'm reading episode four now. Go for it. Arcturus tries to pull a gun out on the doctor, but the ice warriors ice the little skull fucker before he can. <laughs> Jesus, I hated that guy. The peace conference is in disarray, but the doctor convinces everyone they should proceed for the good of galactic peace. Hepesh is pissed about this and raises a revolt. The doctor summons Agador, explains how Hepesh trained it to do his bidding, and sicks the beast on him. Fuck that guy, too. Peace is secured and all is well, but it's time for Joe and the doctor to go back to Earth, just as the real Earth delegate arrives. Okay, so the jig is up for Hepesh. They all go back to the throne room. <laughs> then King Peladon, fucking hate this guy, he says, But I don't understand. What would Hepesh gain from all of this? I'm like, gosh, I don't know. Maybe the thing that he hasn't shut the fuck up about the entire time he's on screen. Maybe <laughs> we should start with that. Who could have known? And then I was like, okay, I know Arcturus was doing some shady dealings because he was like doing some behind the scenes trading with Hepesh and all that. But surely the murder of a Federation delegate will have some sort of consequence. And I was, and I wrote that note and then I was like, it says a lot about the quality of the writing in this episode that I genuinely think there will be. Because <laughs> in so many other stories, I would have been like, they would have been like, oh, well, and just moved on. <laughs> oh, well. But then later they bring up that no matter how much in self-defense it was, we did just kill a Federation delegate and shit's going to go down as a result. So whatever we do here needs to be important. And needs to be fucking worth the fallout that we're all going to be experiencing later. And I was like, see, that's what I'm talking about. This episode's good, guys. <laughs> it's got it all. It's got horrible, gross skull monsters that need genocided. It's got peace talks. It's got consistent values. It's got consistent character motivation. It's got consequences for actions in the plot. God, my standards are low. <laughs> <laughs> It has literally the bare minimum of story structure. <laughs> and the king asks the doctor, like, for advice. He's like, what should I do? The doctor is like, Hepesh will only be able to gain followers as he is now. You need to, he says, replace Hepesh with someone you can trust, your majesty, now. And I just wanted him to reply with, but doctor, only one other person besides me lives on Peladon, apparently, and he's mute. <laughs> You notice that there's only, like, a couple of Peladonians in the cast, except for, like, a couple of background extras. But it becomes really obvious when they're having this gladiatorial arena fight, and there's, like, two dudes there to watch it. <laughs> gladiatorial fights on Peladon are very private affairs. I, apparently. Uh, but then I thought about it some more, and I was like, Grun might actually be a good advisor, because at least he wouldn't be able to spark a coup, since he can't talk. <laughs> Grun, not if you agree. Yeah. It's like, Grun, do you think I should do this? Yes or no? And there you go. Boom. Yar. <laughs> Yar. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was fucking weird. So they they have that moment of replace Hepesh with someone you can trust, your majesty, now. And then it cuts into the tunnel 
and a captain comes up to Hepesh and and uh, says, "It's good to see you, Captain." And then it immediately cuts back to the throne room. And I'm like, that air quote scene lasted four seconds. I timed it. It was quicker than a goddamn vine. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they do that weird ass cut? Well, they had to establish that Hepesh was gonna like revolt or something. They they could do that with a more significant scene than just "Good to see you, Captain." But Mac, if that scene was longer, we wouldn't have had the ten minutes of the post conflict that is the remainder of the episode. That's true. Because like Hepesh throws like the weakest, smallest, most pathetic revolt anyone's ever seen in existence. He shows up with like two guys and he's like we're overthrowing everything <laughs> i do appreciate how they're like we need to support because king peladon is basically like if you support me in defeating hepesh i will officially join the federation like you support me i'll support you but uh alpha centauri is just like we can't get involved sorry we can't get involved in internal politics and they hold a private conference to convince uh alpha centauri uh that they should do this before they actually have the conversation i was just picturing the doctor joe and the ice warriors just like beating the shit out of them until he agrees (laughs) it's like yeah he's knocked over and they're just like kicking him in the gut (laughs) are you ready for peace (laughs) and then i really appreciate this because the doctor's like okay I think we're going to need Agador. I think he's going to be very valuable in what's about to happen. I'm going to go down into the tunnels in order to uh, get him onto our side. Joe, I'm putting you in charge of the conference. I need you to get everything under control there. And I just, again, I appreciate the growth. He's being an equal partner with Joe right now. Like, she's being in charge of this very important mission, and he's just going to go out into the tunnels. I don't know. I... And I cannot wait for it to not carry through to any more of the stories. <sighs> yeah. I mean, we've we've seen him do more of this previous stories, but... That would assume that the writers are going for consistent character growth. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I was burned by Polly. I can't, I can't do this again. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hepesh shows up with his two dudes and tries to overthrow the entire fucking system. And the doctor just kind of walks in, and he's like, Behold, Agador, the cow-like creature. Your religion is a lie. Go kill that guy. <laughs> but, but but before we get to that scene, though, I do really like Joe goes to deal with the delegates, and they're, they're all voting. It's like, all in favor of supporting Peladon. And Joe raises her hand, and both of the Ice Warriors raise their hands, and... Alpha Centauri doesn't, but then both the Ice Warriors just, like, glare at them for for a minute, and Alpha Centauri just, like, sheepishly raises their hand. <laughs> I like that all it took to convince Alpha Centauri of this was just a look from the Ice Warriors. <laughs> I mean, look, we've already killed one delegate. I mean... Two isn't really that big of an ask. <laughs> There's already gonna be interplanetary war. I mean... What's a few more bodies? Their people are just like, nah, we're fine with you killing them. Fuck that person. Fuck that guy, they were annoying. <laughs> we sent them there to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> and and then, like, in the background, 
I call them AC in my notes. I don't know why I haven't been calling them AC the whole time. But AC is just like talking about how much this is actually a bad idea and how everything is going going wrong and and uh, and this could be interplanetary war and just like yammering on and on and on and on and on to uh, the other ice warrior, Sark, I think his name is. And then this Lear just like pulls Joe aside and is just like... <sighs> I fucking hate this guy. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, I really, just, I, I really just wanted the doctor or Joe to show up and go, or Alpha Centauri be like, we cannot get involved. And someone go, me, 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 me. Oh, shut up. I'm in charge. Now. <laughs> if you had a mouth, I would be covering it right now. <laughs> but then yes, the production team figures that if they have a bunch of fights on screen and no one will notice how shit they all are. And they, start to have the throne room fight. <laughs> yep, and then the doctor destroys their entire religion and <laughs> <laughs> purpose and structure, and then uh, Agador kills the fucking Hepesh. Yeah, I love it because the doctor's basically hypnotized Agador to be like a dog to him, and then Hepesh is like, no, Agador listens to me! I am his priest! Agador, kill him! And then... Agador attacks Hepesh and claws at him. <laughs> He's just like, oh no, I should have been more specific. <laughs> <laughs> and then Pelanon like takes this man who helped raise him into his arms. And Hepesh gives his uh, his dying words. And his dying words are basically just, I just wanted to keep things exactly as they are. And to purge the planets of impure blood. And to rule with a tyrannical fist pulling the strings of a puppet figurehead. Was that so wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, it kind of starts winding down. And they're having a coronation for Pelennon. Wasn't he already king? Did I miss that? I thought he was already king, yeah. But maybe it was just like a celebration of the fucking peace conference. Uh, maybe maybe know. he's not king anymore. Maybe he's president, Paladon. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was very weird. It went very web planet where like fucking half of this episode is just like explaining all the peace that's going to exist after the fucking plot is over. Yeah. But Peladon did like ask Joe to stay and be his queen she seems like considerate for a moment i wondered uh if you had a moment where like is this joe's goodbye episode i thought that for a second like once they tried to establish the romance but i was like there's no fucking way she's leaving on this episode my basis for that was we haven't seen joe enough joe has only been in like five stories i mean you say that but liz was in four uh, that's true but like they have like a reason to get rid of her i don't know i mean i don't know anything about the fucking backstory or the back room stuff of doctor who but i don't know it didn't feel like long enough yeah and also i i personally and grant that's not really saying anything but i personally didn't get the vibe that joe was into that at all yeah i don't know it's it's hard to tell they didn't have any chemistry they didn't have any chemistry. Peladon is a noticeable downgrade from Earth, which is fucking saying something. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have any chemistry, but when has that ever mattered? It feels like they would do that anyway. I don't know. I do really like how this story ends, though, where 
The Doctor and Joe are like, all right, let's go join the festivities. They turn the corner, seize the actual Earth delegate, and they're like, there's a whole lot of nope over in that direction. Let's leave. (laughs) Uh, It's like, yeah, it's time to leave. Oh, it's time to leave fast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but there it is. There it is. Shall I go into trivia? Yeah, lay it on me. All right. This is the only story in Classic Who that features the Ice Warriors that is not six episodes long. Hmm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this is the first Third Doctor episode to not feature the Brigadier, Unit, or a single scene on Earth. Oh, that's why it was so good. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah. <laughs> this episode, you may or may not have been able to piece this, piece this together. I don't know how much of European history you know. Uh, this episode was actually written as an allegory for the UK joining the EU, which was very topical at the time. Basically replace Peladon with the UK and the Federation with the EU. Well, that makes sense. So Alpha Centauri was originally supposed to change color to reflect their mood. Uh, They couldn't figure out how to do that. So they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. Katie Manning and David Troughton actually started dating during the filming. So quality actors right there because they did not let any of that show in their performance and they did a really good job of acting like they had absolutely zero chemistry (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) tell me about it maybe they filmed all those scenes before it happened maybe (laughs) lenny main the director was (laughs) appalled to discover just how phallic the alpha centauri costume was he said, and I quote, it looks like a fucking prick. <laughs> to compensate, the costume designer, Barbara Lane, added the yellow cloak that they wear, to which Maine responded, now it looks like a prick in a cape. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And I will not read into the fact that it looks like a dick with tentacles. <laughs> but yeah, final thoughts. Actually, now that we've talked about it, I actually really like this episode. Yeah can't say for sure whether it's in my top but i yeah i do like it structurally it works very well it does have some good moments and it made me feel very angry at times and that was good (laughs) oh the point i was gonna bring up too is uh my rampant xenophobia was 100 percent justified (laughs) the skull monster thing was a skull monster (laughs) again it's only xenophobic (laughs) if it's wrong (laughs) if it's wrong (laughs) I mean, look, I'm not the baddie for disliking the baddies. Yeah, I love this episode. If we had visualizations of our podcast recordings, you would see that I was basically smiling the entire time we were talking about this. Uh, It's definitely my favorite Third Doctor episode so far. It did good kind of political intrigue, where we've seen so many examples of bad politics in Doctor Who. I did hate King Peladon a lot. It almost felt like the episode wanted me to like or empathize with him, but that didn't happen. Yeah, not one bit. Not a single shred. I loved the Ice Warriors, Islir specifically. They were just very cool. And uh, I know they show up a couple more times, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again. I'd say uh, it is one of the better written episodes. It's still a little ham-fisted in how it tries to present themes, but it's getting better. Yeah. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about us. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. 
If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter, or not on Twitter. You can follow <laughs> us on Instagram, at Quick Trip Podcast. You can also check out Mac's YouTube channel, Mac the Math, where they do insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we reverse the polarity of the neutron flow in the Sea Devils. Is this the episode? This is the episode where he finally says it, yes. <laughs>